Hi, I'm Durani for Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. This is SISS, Science on the ISS, the International Space Station, and today's episode is Surfaces. In Larry Niven's 1970 novel Ringworld, a number of space-faring species travel around the galaxy in spacecraft with general products hulls. General products hulls are impenetrable to projectiles or other things that the hull might incidentally collide with. General products hulls are also impenetrable to all wavelengths of electromagnetic radiation, excepting, somewhat conveniently, visible light. This means that a spacecraft's surfaces generally had to be painted over, for privacy and security reasons, except in those places where you wanted windows. Of course, today, there is no such thing as a general products hull. Astronauts have landed on the moon in spacecraft with hulls that you could poke a hole through with a sharp pencil. You couldn't do that on the ISS so easily, but its hull could be punctured by a high-speed micrometeor, or by a loose bolt left behind in low Earth orbit from a previous space mission. Anything that is in low Earth orbit is there by virtue of it moving at 8 kilometers per second, that is, around 30,000 kilometers an hour. Any objects moving faster than that are flung out of Earth orbit, and any objects moving slower than that will fall to Earth, if they are not first incinerated in their descent through the atmosphere. To protect the ISS from 8 kilometers per second collisions with other things in low Earth orbit, critical areas do actually have shields, called Whipple shields, these are not something out of Star Trek. They are just layered sheets of metal facing into the ISS orbital path. Whipple shields aren't deflector shields either. They are designed to take the full impact of a high-speed object, absorbing all of its kinetic energy before it can come into contact with a pressurized bulkhead. So their function is much the same as a bumper bar or a crumple zone on a car. This might sound a bit low-tech for space, but when their lives depend on it, astronauts prefer to put their trust in hardcore physics rather than science fiction. But impacts by orbiting debris are only part of the problem faced by an orbiting space vehicle. The material used to make a spacecraft whole also has to withstand temperature swings from 120 degrees centigrade in sunlight to minus 150 degrees centigrade in the shade. In sunlight, the hull is also exposed to harsh UV light, as well as higher energy X-rays and gamma rays that the Earth's atmosphere normally insulates us from. On top of that is a problem peculiar to low Earth orbit, atomic oxygen. Atomic oxygen just means a single atom of oxygen but a single atom of oxygen is an unusual thing. Normally, oxygen loves company. Across the universe, it is most often found bound to the most common element in the universe, hydrogen. Indeed, it is most often found bound to two of them, in the form of water. But if it doesn't happen to meet some hydrogen first, oxygen will bind to almost any other atom that happens to be around, including itself. The O2 in our atmosphere is constantly being produced from photosynthesis, and then, in the upper reaches of the atmosphere, that O2 is constantly being broken down, mainly by UV radiation, 
into individual oxygen atoms. Normally, these atoms would not persist for any length of time without reacting with, that is, oxidizing, another atom. But in the rarefied exosphere of low Earth orbit, an oxygen atom may remain isolated for long periods of time until it does fortuitously come into contact with something else, like a passing space station. Unfortunately for the ISS, atomic oxygen is not kind to the materials that it comes into contact with. On Earth, oxygen makes iron oxidize to rust and makes a carbon-based material like wood burst into flame if it's hot enough. If an oxygen atom in low Earth orbit collides with a space station at 8 kilometers a second, the kinetic energy of that collision has a heat equivalence that can drive some very energetic oxidation reactions. And although one single oxygen atom collision may just create a little pockmark on an ISS panel, the cumulative effect of lots of oxygen atoms colliding relentlessly over days and weeks and months does start adding up to some significant surface erosion. So with all that going on, you might not be surprised to hear that the ISS has been running a long-term, multi-staged experiment called MISI, that is, the Materials International Space Station Experiment, M-I-S-S-E, which involves embedding a range of different surface materials on a set of panels that are constantly exposed to space. These MISI panels are generally two-sided. Some have one side facing away from Earth, while the other side faces towards Earth. These panels enable comparison of the effects of radiation from deep space compared with the other side of the panel, which is shadowed by the Earth. Other MISI panels are positioned to face the orbital direction of the ISS, while their opposite sides face away. The panels facing into the ISS orbit bear the full brunt of collisions with atomic oxygen and orbiting microdebris, while the ones facing away do not. The MISI panels primarily measure the particular harshness of the space environment in low Earth orbit at around 400 kilometers altitude. If you go higher, the likelihood of colliding with atomic oxygen diminishes. From about 1,000 kilometers altitude up to about 60,000 kilometers altitude, you are in the midst of the Van Allen belts, which is where all the subatomic particles deflected by our magnetosphere are congregated into channeled flows around the planet. So the higher you go, the higher the risk of surface erosion from solar wind and cosmic ray particles. Indeed, the concentration of these particles within the Van Allen belts makes them a bigger problem in the belts than they are out in deeper space. Out in deeper space, where only the Apollo missions and our plucky robot explorers have yet ventured, things are different again. Outside the magnetosphere, but still in the region of Earth's heliocentric orbit, damage from solar wind particles and UV radiation are the big issues. Issues that get worse if you move closer to the sun. But of course, if you move away from the sun, these issues diminish. Out past the orbit of Mars, the solar wind and the UV radiation from the sun cease to be much of a problem, and your spaceship hull is less challenged by thermal swings between light and shadow. Everything just becomes uniformly cold. However, in the outer solar system, 
you will still continue to be exposed to cosmic rays arising from other parts of the galaxy, as well as cosmic rays from outside the galaxy. Although much less numerous than solar wind particles, these extrasolar cosmic ray particles are generally much more powerful, being the distant echoes of supernovae, or even colliding black holes. And since they are more powerful, they are also more damaging. So, space isn't just space, and your choice of which material you decide to make your spacecraft hull out of may depend upon the particular extraterrestrial environment that you want your spacecraft to operate in. Also, you can't just depend on adding more layers of shielding in order to go anywhere you want. For example, your solar panels need to be exposed to space as much as possible, since if you shield them with protective coverings, they will cease doing their job. And of course, it's the same with radiator panels. Oh, what are radiator panels? Well, if you look closely at a photo of the ISS, you will see the huge extended solar array panels, but you will also see a few collections of smaller rectangular panels that just seem to sit there. These curious structures are the radiator panels. Each 2 by 3 meter panel is connected to a system that circulates liquid ammonia coolant around the station, transporting heat from internal ISS systems out to the panels from where that heat can slowly radiate away into space. So on a spacecraft, there are at least two critical systems, stellar energy absorption and waste heat disposal, that depend upon the integrity of unshielded surfaces. This is where the MISI experiments are helping to identify what materials stand up best to high-speed collisions with microdebris, what stand up best to bombardment by high-energy subatomic particles, and what stand up best to ionizing electromagnetic radiation. Doing all this now makes a lot of sense. We don't want to embark on a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds and find the hull has started leaking two weeks into the voyage. If we really want our future to be Star Trek, we need to start now. And fortunately, we are starting now. Thanks for listening. This has been Durani for Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where it's all about location, location, location of your shielding. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye! Hey, Cheap Astronomers. So, you know how we never bug you about supporting Cheap Astronomy, but we do bug you about supporting SISS. We've still had no comments at all on the SIS iTunes page, and subscriptions there aren't exactly booming. But since then, we've now started an SISS Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com and just type in Steve Nerlich or Science on the ISS or even SISS. So if you did want to help the series along, there's a way to do it. Thanks for listening.